Well, good evening, you morally bankrupt rugby league fans. Most of you will be delighted to hear our middle-class yet classless presenter isn't here. Will Perry uh, is absent. He's probably getting his rectum bleached or ab-crunching his way to Instagram fame as we speak. He's the self-absorbed Lord Farquhar of the BBC and we're happy he isn't here, isn't that right, Mark? We are indeed. The reality is we don't care he's not around. Please download and subscribe uh, this podcast from iTunes or Podbean or whoever your podcast provider is. And also follow us on at WhippetRL on Twitter and tweet us. That's not important. What is important is the talent is here. Isn't it, Mark? It is indeed. Can I just make two comments? Yes. Um, the first couple of sentences were very similar to well, Will's I was try, what, I, what I was trying to do is I was trying to imitate Will, but also mm. uh, rinse him via his own words. Yeah. His own style. He didn't do, do okay. Yeah, excellent. Um, you're very bunged up, aren't you? Yeah, I do sound like I've um, inhaled a, a sponge. Yeah. Um, I've well, there's there's an interesting story behind that, Mark. Um, I've got a very nasty infection. Ooh. Is that why he didn't play? My thigh, yeah, my thigh is very bunged. I'm very bunged up. I've um, essentially just been excreting green and yellow sort of gunk out of my nose and my throat repeatedly for the last two weeks. So, um, Feeling a bit better? No, not really. Mm, you're not, I've tried no, everything. I think the doctor just keeps prescribing me different medication and then eventually he's going to just get to the case where... That's quite clever, I'll just oh, try this one. No, yeah. it didn't work. Oh, what about this? Oh, yep, try that one. No, John, you've got AIDS. That's what, <laughs> essentially what we're getting to. I hope it's not. I hope well, it's we not, hope right. it's not. Um, <laughs> let's hope it's, yeah, well, it could be. It could be, couldn't it? It could, be, it could, be, it could be anything. Let's hope it's not, let's hope it's Mark. Not. Yeah. And we, everyone out there who's listening uh, for all, all nine listeners are hoping it's not uh, AIDS um, yeah so that's it. I mean that's why I didn't play at the weekend I've been I've been feeling bad really and not like man flu bad I've just been like struggling to, sh- to shake it off so I think Justin decided it was a good a good chance to give me a bit of a rest which I quite enjoyed actually you know what I enjoyed Watching a game and getting yeah. through a game, and watching them. I'm getting, getting used to that because we're not in the Challenge Cup, so we get a few, fair few weekends off, and it's it's quite yeah. nice, isn't it? Putting your feet up and watching everybody else. It is bashing to each other. It's a different perspective. Uh, yeah, it, it was good. It was good to go and watch the boys, but um, you know, I'll be glad to to get another run out this week. But what? Talk, let's talk about you because I mean, my nose is is blocked, and with mucus, but yours it's is a bit wonky now. Yours isn't it? is. Looking. Swollen and wonky with a couple of black eyes to boot. So you've got a flat, you've got a fat nose. I've got a fat and nose. Two black eyes. What? Yeah. How? Um, playing rugby. Um, played Hull on Friday and I, I copped a bit of a, a cheap shot. Uh, I think it's fair to say. And um, yeah, I've brought my nose. I've had a by lot. Who, by whomst? Um, Beretta Farimo. Mm. I've had a lot of bangs on the nose in my time. This is, is the first. Brett? Beretta. Beretta like the gun. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, he put a shot on me. That was good. Well um, yeah, I've had a lot of bangs on the nose throughout my career. This is the first time it's broken. It's pretty sore when I did it, and then it's been straightened now. But um, yeah, I, I was a bit. I had a bit of a rant, not really a rant on Twitter, but I kind of, I um, I queried the um, disciplinary process for um, not probably punishing it as as I thought it should have been. Um, I'd kind of we make a, made a break. I'd juggled the ball and 
the ball had bounced a couple of times behind me and then the whole winger came and kind of steamed into me and shouldered me in the face mm. which concussed me and broke my nose and not much was done of it so yeah we saw, you sent me the video actually of, of it happening and I, I, at first I, I was a bit confused because I was looking I was sort of looking in where I would be in that situation so there was a break being made wasn't there and yeah. this was like there was three or four Salford players galloping downfield yeah. towards the whole line and I was and one I, of them I'm embarrassing embarrassed to admit Mark my eyes were not at that point I was ca I was casting my eyes backwards in yeah. the back play because that's where I would have been mm. uh, but you weren't I had the ball you had the briefly. ball looked like you were uh, you, you were a real threat and mm. to be fair Beretta shot you down he did it was late he it banged was, me it was late bang it bang was high but what was the aim of you you had a little bit of a social media yeah I just splash what what was the aim what were you trying to do because I, I um, Farimo got a, a sim bin for the offence, and then it was right in front of the referee, which was a bit, it shocked me a little bit because I thought he, I thought he would have seen it and probably sent him off. Um, but having learnt that no further action was taken, I was a bit pissed off, a bit confused. Now I've, I've like I I split my head open every few weeks playing. I've always had cuts, bruises, bangs, and I, and I I just know it's the game, and I get on with it and. That's 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 the sport we play, but I think just because it was so late and it was high and it was reckless, and I just thought I just wanted to, to highlight the fact that nothing was done, and highlight the fact that um, we have in in the game now we have a lot of protocol when it comes to concussion and looking after the players' safety. Well, we won't have to do the concussion protocols if they punish players enough when 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 they they've broken the rules and they put someone's. Um, health in danger. So Farimo's been banned, I think, twice already for two really bad shots. And then he's done this a third time. Well, I kind of thought, well, it's obviously not getting through to this guy if he's, he's done it a third time and he's not being punished. So, um, yeah, I, 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 I put something on social media. I posted a, a, um, a video of, of the game on a computer, which, which was a poor edit, but I just thought, just throw it up there. Um, I spoke to someone from Hull who, who said that they couldn't believe he, he didn't get a ban. Yeah. They were quite shocked, and they they thought, you know, he deserved it as well. So, I, you know, I've got no no beef with the lad. I just think no. that. Well, the big the big thing is is consistency, isn't it? Yeah. With, with decisions like this, because um, you know, sending off in the game makes a big difference, doesn't it? Mm. Now, if the wrong decisions made on the day, and he should have been sent off, but he wasn't, then that doesn't actually benefit your team, does no. it? So the, the 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 problem was the wrong decision on the field on the day because it injured you, took you out of the game, and then Hull benefited from maybe missing out with, for someone for a short period, but didn't lose him for the entire yeah game. And, I, and I'll miss out on the witness game this week due to yeah. not being able to play with a concussion. So that's but if you hit somebody high and late in in most situations, you get banned, don't you? Yeah. I mean, look, people are getting banned at the moment for just. And that was leaning, other, leaning that on was somebody's point. head and maybe injured. Like Kyle Amor got banned for a week. For Ollie Holmes, just got his head put in an awkward position, not on purpose by Kyle. It was more Ollie Holmes drove into that position, and then he held his neck. Kyle got a week banned for that. Yeah. So when we're when we're banning players for a week for something innocuous. But I think the lads would say is, is is relatively. That was my other point. Is that we we said a few times on the podcast that. The game's going soft and people are faking injury and trying to get players sent off. Now, I'd never do that, but then it annoys me when things like that or players, excuse me, 
get a ban for something really innocuous, an accident, something like that. And then there's things where I thought this was this was it done on purpose, and nothing happens. Yeah. And then there's players that get I can't remember who it was. Someone got um, a few game ban for abusing a, um, a ref. Now I'm, I'm I'm I totally agree that players shouldn't abuse refs, and I can't remember who it was. It might have been Danny Bruff. Um, but then surely as important as abusing a ref is looking after the player's safety. Mm. Now I'm sure Raleigh Holmes didn't have wasn't badly injured in that incident with Kyle. No, he played the week after. Yeah, but the, but like it's a broken nose. I'm not really that bothered. But the fact that I can't play this week and it's done some damage and my yeah, previously lovely straight nose is no longer straight. So it was lovely. You've got a lo- you're still a lovely. It's a bit nose. puffy. You've got a lovely nose. But yeah, no. The, the, I think a big issue the game's got is the disciplinary process, and I, I th- actually think as much as the players are to blame for the play acting that's going on, and it's going on, like mm-hmm. it is going on, and we keep talking about it, but there's play acting in rugby league now more than there ever has ever ever has been. Um, that is a product of the disciplinary process choosing a particular incident to keep highlighting and to be consistent with, but then being inconsistent elsewhere. So for me, they are being really consistent with pressure on the neck tackles. That's yeah. their vogue thing. Yeah. So, But what it's seen is players understand that if they hold their neck on a TV game, there is enough pressure from the disciplinary process to A, get a player simmed or sent off on the day, but then also get banned following up. Um, you know, that, that there's a lot of pressure on that. But with high tackles, and the biggest challenge you had is what? What was the biggest challenge you had that, that made it difficult for it. the RFL to do anything? Was proving it. And why was it difficult? Because there was one shitty camera at the game. That... And so as a professional sport now, we have one halfway line camera at four or five of the games. Yeah. Which, for, for me, is a problem for two reasons. The first reason is, one, disciplinary things like this. You cannot then scrutinise incidents well enough you can't really have a good look into things um you can but it gives you a limited viewpoint of it it's just mm. a limited view the second thing is when you're trying to create a highlights package that shows off rugby league you get one game where everyone's diving into the corner one hand putting the ball down mm. and there's an unbelievable shot of somebody trying to ground the ball and then the rest of the games are pretty much half halfway camera yep. focus. You can only really use the Sky games for highlights reels, can't you? Yeah. But um, but going back to the disciplinary process, I, I actually had a call from Paul Cullen this morning. Who's and what does Paul? What is Paul Cullen? Paul's he's on, obviously the the old Warrington. Yeah, the old coach. Warrington coach and play, and he's on the disciplinary committee. Um, they're an independent body. Uh, he's he's actually a consultant for them. Um, and they are hired to review games and then to um, put disciplinary or put penalties on players after a match. Now, I think he'd obviously heard I'd, I'd put something on, on social media and he um, he called me up and we had a really good, frank and honest conversation and he, he kind of said, look, um, like obviously I think he, he thought that I'd been unfairly dealt with uh, and said, look, you might feel like that, Mark, but um, we can only go off the referee's report and the footage of the game. He said, the footage of the game isn't conclusive said it was a, sh- a shoulder charge on your head. He said um, the, there's there's a, there's a case for it to be an accidental uh, clash of heads. He said there's a lot of um, 
fuzziness with, with a decision to be made. So he said, we were unfortunately able to give you the decision you deserved. And we had a good good conversation about it. And he's actually... Um, Why didn't that say that on the case notes, though? Well, so so when they make a decision about well, I think, you... I think that's on every, every case. There's not enough evidence because of... But it should say that. It should do, yeah. It should say, only, poor camera angle, not enough cameras at the game. Yeah. We were unable to make conclusive, like, conclusive evidence that there was anything wrong. And and you know what it'll take, and this is really sad that this will take. It'll take somebody to get really badly hurt in an yeah. incident like that at a game where the television cameras aren't. At. Well, he, he said he's going to come. He's going to Australia tomorrow, but he's going to he's going to come on the podcast in a few weeks and speak to us about the process and uh, and the obstacles that they face um, with with the disciplinary process. So that'd be really good to to have a, have a good chat with him about that. But you, you say that uh, it'll take someone having a serious injury for the disciplinary process to change. Now I had. Like I said, I'd, I'd said something on social media, but uh, in 2013, I played at Hull KR for Saints, and I got done with a cannonball tackle. Yeah, I remember. It was uh, Con Mika. Con Mika, yeah. Just, yeah. I was in, stood up in a tackle, and then he came from the side, completely took my leg out, snapped my ACL. I was out for six months, could have ended my career. And at the time, the cannonball tackle wasn't outlawed, but I, had a, again, had a bit of a rant on Twitter, and it kind of, I think it started some momentum for it to be outlawed. And then since, it's obviously, it's, it's, it's no longer... Uh, allowed in the game and there's been penalties for and suspensions for players that do it so I think that's that was the other reason why I did it I thought sometimes if you speak up about it it highlights a problem and then sometimes forces change yeah um, it does there, there was I, I think around that time there was a lot of ill feeling towards teams that were were cannonballing players weren't there and 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 I think actually the other team's reaction then started to change things as well didn't it teams yeah. would gather around somebody and There'd be sort of a confrontation around the cannonball tackle, yeah. and 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 that's fine, um, but I almost see that with the crusher at the moment, is that somebody holds the neck, three or four players around start pointing at their necks. Yeah, it, it's been used in this is being manipulated by players mm. to in the worst possible way, because you're taking something that was genuinely serious that injured your knee, which then became a thing. Well, everyone wanted it out of the game. But now I think with the neck stuff, the players are now using that as a, as a competitive advantage, mm. and that's wrong. And yeah. that we need to that needs to stop. What needs to be clear, and I think we need more clarity, is on the decision making process at disciplinary. Otherwise, people like yourself are left completely in the dark about decisions. I think fans, one of the fans' biggest sources of 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 I would say confusion and, and almost anger at times is the disciplinary process. Yeah, and Paul, Paul actually said that on the phone. He said our biggest obstacle is communicating the reasons why. He said we have they, they do the write up on the webs on the RFL website for reasons for not um, penalising a player or um, banning a player, but actually speaking about the, like how hard it is to 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 make a decision is is one of the the big obstacles they have. And he said that's that's their that that. What they, what they really struggle with, and that's where they get a lot of abuse. And we've already said the RFL um, cop a lot of flack from from the fans, and rightly or wrongly, it, it's happening more and more. But I think it is that communication from from that part of the governing body to to the fans is quite important. Yeah, I think that's it. communication is 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 massively important in it with this. And it needs to it needs to improve, and I'm sure. But Paul Cullen and, and the guys. It, it, you know, they're doing the best, but I, I, I'm, I'm a big believer that more, more can be done. You know, more can be done from them. Um, big week this week for for a load of guys in in Super League. Um, 
and also in the NRL. Yeah. We've got an international fixture, a mid-season international fixture um, in Denver. Mm. Where's Denver, roughly? Colorado. Roughly. The Rocky Mountains. Well, let's... Whereabouts in America? In the... In the Rockies. But whereabouts are the whereabouts is Denver? Point at... Point, a it's, map of um, America is it? Is it central north? No, is it northwest? Northwest. 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 We he don't sh- know. He shrugs his shoulders. He doesn't know. We don't know. Anyway, so there's England have got a test match against New Zealand in a Denver. Week, a week on Saturday. A week on Saturday. Um, and the squad's and been the squad, picked. The squad got announced this week. Um, f- there was a lot of lads from Saints in, which was yeah. delighted. John Wilkin. I wasn't in, Mark. Oh, f- bloody Bastard. hell. Bastard. Wayne Bennett. Neither I was I either. I text Wayne Bennett. He didn't get back to me. No. Um, don't know I got I two blue ticks on WhatsApp. Did he? And then he, he just didn't reply. But yeah. um, a good couple of good lads from your place. Tomo, yeah. uh, Luke Thompson, well deserved his place. Yeah. Um, I think I think that could be a good step up for him, actually. Yeah, well, he's been outstanding for Saints this year, Luke Thompson. Tommy Makerton gets his first chance, which yeah. is just a uh, reward for, for he'll be, being He'll be battling with... Um, McGilver and Ryan Hall for a wing spot, so which will be tough for him. Yeah, I think so, but I think I don't know. I think I'd like to see if there's a reason to have a mid-season test, it might be well to try out those little. Well, we thought that last year when Alex Walmsley went to Australia, Australia and didn't play, and didn't play, or no. Perce, Mark Percival didn't play either, did he? Yeah, no, the Saints lads just travelled. Yeah, good, good tourists though. Got their air miles up, went business class. Very That's happy. Right. Percy was so happy to fly business class. Yeah, he's from Widnes. He's got low expectations, so he just he was just delighted to get on the plane and go left he was, <laughs> he was just buzzing yeah so no I th- what do you think of the Denver concept then what 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 are the what are the pros of playing a test match in Denver as opposed to in New Zealand or in England opening up the US market yeah. uh, whether people in the US are going to take any notice of the game whatsoever I don't know uh, apparently, um, the Denver Broncos play at this stadium, the Mile High Stadium, and I think their season tickets is oversubscribed by about 50,000 people. They have a waiting list of 50,000 people, and they have to pay a few hundred dollars a year just to be on the waiting list. So there's there's a big appetite for collision, a, a sport similar to rugby league, a collision sport like NFL uh, in the area. So I think there's a big campus as well, the big university campus. So I'd be interested to see if, if there's an appetite for it there. I, th- I think they've sold thirty to 40,000 tickets already, which which is great. Uh, whether that's that'll, great. That, that's great. Whether that'll look full in a, season, a stadium that holds around 90,000, I don't know. But it's it's it can't do any harm, I don't think. No. The Americans are kind of obsessed with ru- rugby because it's it's the no-pads thing, isn't it? Yeah. They can't. Oh my God! You guys play are crazy. You no play pads. with no pads. No Where are your helmets, man? Yeah. I think it'd be amazing, though, for me if, and it's not going to happen because the BBC are covering the game. Um, if there was just an alternative American commentary, mm. on they used the to game. do that on Sky, didn't they? Fans they did. on, yeah. Oh, well, no! It used to be on on. I think it was Soccer AM where they did American. Oh yeah. So it'd be. It was always uh, Boston United. Boston United slap shot. <laughs> Boston with the apex restart. <laughs> I'd be like, I'd just love to hear him calling out the players. Luke Tom- Luke Thompson from 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 Billange, Wigan. 
It'd be. Uh, I think they should do an alternative American commentary. That'd be good. But the Ameri- the Americans do love contact sports. They love they love um, aggression, really, don't they? Yeah. And uh, gun violence. More and Trump. And weirdly Donald, enough, and Donald Trump, who looks a bit like James Graham. I think they'll really take to James Graham in Denver. Yeah, he's, he's very Trump-esque. He's got Trump, a Trump Barnet. Not he? long enough yet, but he's on the way. Yeah, but I, I think the the squad's strong. I look when I look through the England squad. I think you know what they've they've, they've got a lot of strength in certain positions. For me, look really strong up front and mm. at the front rowers. There's a load of choice there. Back rows looking good. Uh, the wing, you know, obviously Hall, McGilvery, Makinson, full back with Ratchford and Lomax, and then it's just the half backs. Yeah. For me, where we we we're not like blessed yeah. with depth. Yeah, I think they'll go with Widup and uh, Widup and George Williams. Yeah. Even though George Williams hasn't been probably playing as well as he did, has been doing the last few seasons. No, no. It'd be interesting to see. Um, but yeah, it's interesting to see what I think. Firstly, the impact of having the test in, in Denver, like, w- will it really make a difference to the growth of, well, of I, the game? Well, I think it's a weird venue, to, to, like, because they talk about Toronto and then New York, which is up that north northeast. northeast. And we think Denver might be in the northwest. We're going to have to check that. But I am not. I don't think it's that Are close. we making a huge assumption there? Do we know fine, where Denver is? Find Google Maps. The Denver Nuggets. Denver Broncos. Denver, Colorado, US. They're, um, it's definitely the northwest then. They're, uh, they must be, they call the It's Denver in the Nuggets. middle, it's like right in the middle. North Central. North Central, so it's, but it's nowhere near Toronto or New York, which is the, the two clubs to come into. It's a lot nearer to Toronto and New York than England. Uh, yeah. Maybe, is it to do with the flying? You know, it's obviously a lot closer for the NRL oh, players, Oh yeah, that's, isn't it? that's a good point. Yeah, mm. there we go. We probably should have thought about this before we started discussing it. No, I think we've just, we've, what we've done is essentially had an RFL board meeting. And that's how they came with the it's Probably a bit more successful than a lot they of dropped, RFL board They just meetings. dropped a pin in America. Sorry to it? all the, the guys at the RFL who are listening. We know no, we, no. You're, you're all big fans. No, you all, yeah, we know that you picked Denver for the right reasons. Um, it's, I think just shamelessly targeting oversubscribed season ticket wallets. It's a shambles. Like Arsenal, they used to always do that. Your, your team. Definitely. I wonder what our guests will think of it. We've got Barry McDermott on shortly. We have got Barry McDermott on. Yeah, yeah. you forgot about that, didn't you? I did. No, well, should we speak to Barry right now? Yeah, we'll give him a call. So tonight's guest is Barry McDermott, born 22nd of July 1972. Is that correct, Barry? That is very correct, yes. Never had my age, Will. Cool, don't need to, no, me, lad. good lad. A, a native of Oldham. I like that phrase, a native of mm. Oldham. It makes you sound yeah. a little bit wild, a little bit aggressive. Um, yeah. And I like that about you. Uh, played in the 90s and the, 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 the noughties. Uh, a Great Britain international yeah. representative prop. Played for Ireland. Uh, but his club career was Oldham Wigan and Leeds Rhino. He won the Super League Championship and Challenge Cup final. Uh, a legendary figure within the game uh, that went on to be head of Leeds Youth Development and also you know, one of the most revered pundits on our broadcaster, Sky, uh, their coverage of the game. So Barry McDermott, uh, a welcome to you and in true Thank style, you. a round of applause from That's, that's me a lovely, me. lovely intro. Well, like I said, lads, I'm feeling a little bit low, but for the purposes of showbiz, yeah, we, I'm ruddy, bloody marvellous. No, you turn it on. We can turn it on. 
we're with all, that with that yeah. new smile, Barry, you can just turn it on and click it with fingers, Absolutely. can't you? Absolutely. What do you mean new Hollywood smile? Oh, he's got new teeth. I didn't. I didn't know. You look look very well hey, with them, do don't you? Know you know what? I, I will be honest. And there's an ex teammate of mine, and and the 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 nineties and the noughties fits uh, me and this particular player really well. And we went on a, a function the other night. We were together, and when when we are together, we have great fun. And uh, he set off giving me shit about my teeth. And he must have lasted about 40 minutes. And then after about an hour, so 40 minutes of, of giving me stick, after about an hour, he leaned into me and just whispered really, really, really quietly, so where did you get them? <laughs> <laughs> can, 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 I, uh, can I get the number off you? Yes. So, listen, I'd rather have a little bit of uh, banter with people about having nice, shiny white teeth than the shit teeth that I see hanging around Super League. The shit teeth. And there's a lot of that. There's a lot of shit teeth in Super League, Barry. There is, teeth. There is bad teeth. There's a lot of opposition to change, you see. So what Barry experienced there is the initial response to change is aggressive opposition. And then eventually it becomes somebody becomes inquisitive, which player X... We don't like it, Wilco, do we? No. We don't, people like you to be in a, in a particular box. I've always... So I, I grew up in Oldham, you're right, and... Rugby league is, has been part of my life. It's in my bones, this game. I love it. I'm very passionate about, you know, that youth development job that you mentioned there at Leeds Rhinos. I loved it. But unfortunately, with the other stuff that was going on, it was ironic, really. I, I stumbled into the media. I'm not, I'm not, I've got a face for radio, me, in, in all um, way, shape and form. But what what I always liked to do was was just enjoy watching the game, passionate about it. Always took what I did very seriously, but never took myself too seriously. So when I got that job at Leeds, worked with the kids, the next generation. So a good two thirds of that Leeds team, at different points, I've had I've had them going through my hands. Um, but that was, you know, they, they didn't like that really. But no. uh, yeah, <laughs> I um, I was just helping them towel down after after a long no, that's shower. That, but yeah, that... I did enjoy that part. I enjoyed that I did, as well. He's still you, you're another one, Plan. You always, you always enjoyed that part of, you know, the, the, you know, the, the, the attention to detail, making sure that you were, you know, dry and, and not <laughs> had to go back. The times I had to send you back in the shower because you missed a little bit. And whipped me with the towel on the way back. Adequately yeah. towelled. Yeah. <laughs> Adequately towelled. So no, I just stumbled on the media, and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm very pleased that I consider you doing a fantastic job I'm a, an avid listener of, of your podcast and our game needs more outlets it's you know your, yours is a very light hearted look about the game and it's more about you lads and your thoughts and your opinions and there's there's, there's loads of directions that, that people can go into and the, the first thing I said is people like to put you in boxes and I always take great pride and great pleasure in, in, in proving people wrong. So I did play the game a certain way, but I'm very different in reality. I'm just a normal lad and I'm just a normal bloke that likes to go about his business. Very, very strong uh, family values and uh, and the game has taught me a lot that I've took on to doing some of the other stuff that I've got going on now. So take us back to the start, right? So Barry... We want to get inside a, a, a maybe a 16, 17, 18 year old Barry McDermott. You said you had rugby league in your bones. Now, were you always on the path where you were destined to play professional rugby league? Or, no. or was that something that came no. to you with time? So, as a kid, as a 15 year old kid, you'll, you'll, 
you know, you two will know this, but for the purpose of those that don't, I had an accident with a, an air rifle and I lost the sight in the right eye, so I was going to join the army, going to travel the world and see what was, was outside Oldham, Lancashire, and, and just get out there and get amongst it, and, and my, my destiny changed. But the things that were important to me, like my friends and my family, came and supported me, so particularly my rugby friends and my school friends. So rugby became a bigger part of my life the army wasn't an option. As I left school, uh, I come from a big Irish Catholic family in Oldham. Big, you know, big, big women, really big, powerful, um, stalwart women, uh, stoic women who, who have strong opinions and and are quite snappy, quite aggressive. Going back in the day, but but loving at the same time. So I like the powerful, as I power, got I like older, the powerful description. Yeah, powerful women. Yeah. Very powerful. They they are powerful, and I, and I I I'm pretty sure my mum doesn't listen to this, so I'm okay. Yeah, that's <laughs> but good. People naturally assume, like they will do with uh, with flash, they'll naturally assume that you get your your skills, your ability, your aggression, your size off off your dad. Well, for me, it was not my dad. It was the other side of the family, and it it was my mother's side. So again, powerful, snappy, aggressive, and forceful. So um, I think rugby league grew on me and. I always played everything. I always got involved in that basketball. I played football. My dad says I played football like I played rugby. Full contact. I used to do that. No, no odds barred and uh, full contact. So slowly but surely, everything sort of dropped away, slipped away. And rugby became the main thing in my life where I trained every night. I worked all day, trained every night. Um, it would even train on a Friday night before I went out with my mates. Played Oak Mage on a Saturday for a pub team. Played under 17s or under 19s on a on a on a Sunday. So as a 15, 16 year old playing Oak Mage in a pub team, I think set out the stall for me and my style for for the rest of my rest of my career. So no, it wasn't Wilco. I was never on any pathway. Never on any. If in today's you know, in today's language, I wouldn't have been on a scholarship. I wouldn't have been invited to England camps or any of that talent ID stuff. I literally, as a 16-year-old uh, tearaway, was because of, you know, the things that had happened to me. And, and because I was a little bit unique in, you know, my eye and things like that, people noticed me. And it, 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 it was just this thing that I did. I loved it and I never expected it to be a profession or a career. And with your eye, Barry, that's that's a massive bit of adversity to to overcome to make it as a professional. Um, now you would have been probably the first person of 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 your era to have overcome something like that. Over the course of playing for Waterhead and then getting to Oldham, what were the main obstacles that you had to overcome with with, with the impairment with your vision? Me personally, I wouldn't say I could tell you. I had no list. I have no recollection of it, and I don't really. I didn't give it any credence. It was, it was what made me me. Yeah. And you know, I looked. At, I, 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 did did I play against you, Wilco? I think I probably did. Didn't yeah. I? Yeah. Just as I was, just as Four, I was coming five, in. Yeah. So you'd have been a kid. Yeah. And it was quite a scary character to look at. So yeah, you were. I used that. Yeah, I'll tell, and I and I look back on it and now and think, Jesus, what would you think if you were facing that kind of? Well, can I describe? Kind of can I describe maybe what I was looking at, Barry, at that time? I think it was. It was. I think one of the things that always has set you apart is that it, I, I'm going to call it a slick back sort of hairstyle, like a very flowing, almost Italian sort of like style. Like should have hair. been in Greece. Yeah, one like of the chiselled sort of features. 
A good-looking um, man. A, yeah, a, a good-looking man. A good-looking man, but with one distinctive feature that will remain etched upon, I would say, maybe several hundred Super League players across the years, and that would be the arm pad. <laughs> the, the, the very specific arm guard in which you wore, especially during the, the, the sort of the back end of your career there, that's something I became very familiar with. I'd now, imagine there was always a bit of blood or some teeth embedded in it, or you know, there was always bits of flesh. Bits it was to it. protect me from teeth. <laughs> oh, right, right, right. okay. I, I set off, so I, disl- I dislocated my elbow three times through opponents' headbutting me forearm. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I, I got—I mean, it doesn't straighten now, as you know. As you get older, you, you know things don't work quite the same because your muscles aren't as strong and as elastic so so i have a, a left arm that straightens a, and a right arm that looks like a looks like a, a letter j but back in the day i used to have to tape it because i kept knocking it back kept hyper extending it and uh, i had a white arm guard because the last time i dis, uh, dislocated it i chipped a really big uh, part off the end of my elbow like a bit like kez a bit like kieran cunningham yeah that kind of scenario and they said to me you know you're doing all kinds of damage. You need to think about your career and your future and your your, your life after rugby. So I sort of, I was protecting myself as much as I was protecting everyone else, but I had this white thing and I got a letter written in by a fan, a spectator at Leeds, and he said, uh, Dear Barry, uh, I've been watching this club for a long time. Big funny game. And, you know, unfortunately, you know, you was dismissed again at the weekend. What I think it is, is this white flashing thing? Referees don't know; they can't see it. All they think, all they see is this white flash. Have you considered using a different colour? So I went to a uh, a manufacturer. They were called Proline. It were a Welsh bloke. He did one for me. He made it, and then there was a different one, Pro Sport in Oldham, which was the old Tuber Grip um, uh, Seaton's uh, yeah, friend yeah. of the town, really. And then I met a guy called Bill Newton from Cougar, ah, who okay. said, I want to manufacture it for you. I want to replicate it. I want you to de- design me some bicep pads, some shoulder pads, and uh, we'll put a range out, which we did, which for me was, was just a big thrill. I was like, brilliant. Um, I didn't get paid hardly any money, but me and Bill Newton become lifelong friends and still meet on a regular basis. And what, coffee was, to, and what was the brand, to, Baz? Did, what it was, was Tuga. It was a Maca Wacker. It had a Maca Wacker. It had BMAC D on it. Boom. So powerful. And and you and to, and and you're right. And underneath, so over the top was padding. Underneath was a work of art, because of course I'm pretty sure it happens now that the touches come in. They'll they'll give you a quick shake down. They'll look at your hands, check your padding, check your strapping. Uh, check your boots and they're away on to the next one well there was always a flurry of activity between me and Daz Fleary because we got this material from uh, our American conditioner Edgar Curtis which was effectively bulletproof uh, and they'd moulded it to our arm so you could get obviously get shot and it wouldn't go through so it was perfect for us <laughs> to put on our forearms underneath this padding so yeah um it was always it was always um, there, and it were always part of that that you know that era. We all did it. We all whacked each other. You give it, you take it. You the, the game has evolved and changed, and and you know we're all a little bit 
unsure about what direction the game and the rules and the contact with the head and all all the all the playing for penalties. I've been listening to you lads for a couple of weeks talking about it, and I got a chance to talk about it on Thursday. Players playing for penalties, it makes me skin crawl. Yeah, it's bad, isn't yeah. it? It's it's a terrible. And if you went back to say those that those you know those years, ninety four, ninety five, when when you're at Wigan, and then obviously spent that that time through sort of the back end of the nineties at, at Leeds Rhinos, where you you know you had your, your most success as a player. The, the game was completely different then, wasn't it? And and how do you find yeah. it now, commentating and watching a game to, that is you know, on on the surface almost unrecognisable to the one you played? What what bits do you like now? It, are the bits that you wish still existed? You probably alluded to there that the the physicality and the aggression of the game was, you know, probably something you were more comfortable with back then. But you've obviously seen the game change in Shaw, haven't you? Yeah, I study the game. I've always been a studier of the game, so I'll watch four or five live games, and whether that's as an amateur, an amateur game or a, an academy game, and then of course there's, you know, there's a full plethora of stuff on TV if you know where to watch with. Premier and uh, you know the the Aussie stuff being back on Sky now, so I, I watch a lot of stuff. So the answer to your question is, I don't like the play acting. I like certain elements of the game and the way that it's gone. I love you know that we all talk about the the getting rid of the corner flags, the corner posts, and people like Tommy Makington. I love watching the. The, the acrobatic scoring of tries in the corner now that's a skill and an art on its own um, and and I love the game I still love it I'm, I'm not one of those that goes that, that says oh it was better in our day it was just different it was just different in its physicality and our version of toughness was you give it and you took it but you give it now what I think a player like Chris Hill proves his metal proves how tough he is by just keeping going, and he yeah. doesn't keeping discipline where you want to react. He, he has recently is a, is a different kind of toughness, isn't it? I was saying um, not reacting and keeping discipline when you want to react yeah. is toughness in a yeah. different way, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. and, I, and I admire that. I do. I, I, I can see the art in it. I can see the honour in it, and I don't think get up. There are there are one or two occasions. Um, there are one or two occasions where let's say player A from any club, let's say he's from Hull, meets the head of another player, any player, let's say he's from Warrington, and there's a, there's a touching of heads, and the player from Warrington turns round, let's say it's Warrington, and appeals to the referee. Now, now that there's every sinew in me is going, he started that, you, you've every right to give it in there. Yeah. But common sense and rugby, rugby intelligence tells you, well, the player from Hull is going to get red carded. So really, you won. But I do think sometimes the old rules apply and the old dark hearts. Yeah. yeah, I agree with you that know, to a certain although extent. Although you won't get you won't get congratulated by your coach. No, you, I, you don't lose much. Well, well, I think I think one thing they're trying to stamp out the game is is, is the fighting and the, and that confrontation um, because it, it's not good for young young spectators being brought into the game because there is certain acts of thuggery that it's that it's perceived to be. But I do think the values of of the game when you do something, then you deserve deserve a reaction. If you're going to be cocky or, or or do little sly things or or take the piss out of your opposition, you deserve a slap. 
Now, I think that's a good yeah. value for, for life and in it, terms it, of young people. Is, but is fighting that bad? I mean, I mean, I it is bad. It's, it's wrong, isn't it? it? Like, it is wrong. But it, you've got kids now up till two in the morning playing a game where you run around shooting and stabbing people. Like, that, yeah. we've got to be really... I think we've got to be really careful. I think fighting and aggression within rugby league is a good example of realistic life skill. You, you get hit by someone, your reaction is to defend yourself... And then you know what happens after it? You end up making up, you walk off the field, shake hands, and we go, well, we've both had a bit of it there. Now let's just crack on with life. Whereas what we're seeing now for me is a symptom of the modern world is people are trying to suggest yeah. they're hurt when they're not. They're trying to create a situation where they're the victim when they're not. And, and, yeah. and that confuses referees, confuses fans and, and in the era when, puts when you put a plot, lot of pressure on the referee. And I'm not yeah. see I'll watch a game, mate, and I don't want to talk about the referee. I couldn't care less about the decisions that they got right and wrong. I accept that there is human error. I'm not bothered. I look at the players, I look at the mistakes, the the situations they put themselves in. They can control a large majority of them. So I look at the rules and the law they, they call them the law the laws of the game are there to protect players. They are not there for players to earn penalties, no. to get players put in the sim bin and to get players sent off. I think it, it that that really offends me as a as a as a fan of the game now, not as a pundit, not as an ex player, just as a fan of the game. I just think that's sly that. And how would you change that Barry then? How do we change it? How do we get from where we are now, where I think everyone in the game the, the you know pundits like yourself, the players, coaches, the officials would agree. It it's not a, an environment everybody's happy with. How do we get from that where people are feigning injury, milking penalties, trying to confuse the officials? How do we get from that back to maybe nineteen ninety four where the, the the Mac attack, the the pad was being swung yeah. around? I think you've seen a sea change in in refs. If you if you again if you study the game and you look at the little intricacies and the nuances of the game, refs are saying, "Get up, come on, carry on, play on." What refs are doing is they're looking at players uh, in their eyes and, and looking at them. If they're not actually saying it, they're intimating that I know what you're doing and I'm not buying it. So that that's probably the first stage. Um, the, the scene, so when I when I joined Oldham, there was there was a, a senior group, and I and I came from an amateur. I was an eighteen year old lad. I just played in an amateur final. I'd been on a, an amateur tour to Barla, walked in the changing rooms. All my mates went in the A team uh, first changing room. I got put in the first team because the coach Peter Tunks had said, "I've signed you to play first team. You, you'll be in my first game." And I played my first game in the first game of the season at Sheffield away. But what I have is I have seasoned pros next to me, people like Charlie McAllister and Paul Round, who've been in the game years. Paul Duncan Round. Platt, they've been in the game years, oh, wow. and you could, you wouldn't step out of line because they give it you. And whether I thought I could have handled or battered or whatever the phrase is, Paul Round, I don't because I had a lot of respect for him. You tell me, you two are in the changing rooms now. Is there still that same level of respect? No, no I have been in the game for a decade or so. I, I don't think there is, but I think we've, it's become a younger man's game. I, I, I think the, the squads have flipped now. So a challenge we've got in the current game is we have squad numbers all the way down to 40, you know, 38, 39, 40. 
So essentially from squad number 16 down to 40, you've got 24 young men, very young men. And maybe you've got four or five lads who are quite senior. Um, but the balance has flipped. When I signed for St. Helens, Barry, I think I was, I was the last squad number and I was squad number 21. The last squad mm. number. And, and now the squad size has doubled. Uh, the salary cap hasn't increased, I will add. Or mm-hmm. it has marginally. But squad sizes have doubled. Um, and that's changed group dynamics. If anybody, and you obviously understand, Barry, like the, the dynamics of groups has completely changed. I, I came up in a similar situation. I played at Hull KR in 1999, 2000, around that period. And it was, there was some tough initiations you know when you walked into that changing room there was a hierarchy and you had to sort of get through that i think a very modern way of looking at it is we're all equal everyone's on an equal footing let's treat everybody equally and i think that brings its own its own its own pitfalls i mean going into that that role so post playing career you went into the role with with leads with the foundation with the young guys i mean you know you weren't certainly paul round were you to them but did you use some of that footing from your oldham days, from your days at Wigan? Yeah. Did you use some Absolutely. of that to, to, in how you treat those younger men? So, when I joined Leeds, so let's look at Leeds. I joined Leeds as a 23-year-old. I'd made a real mess of my Wigan career. Uh, nearly got my career snatched out of my hands because I wasn't really professional. Didn't, you know? I, I look at that as a positive. I learned loads and went and went to Leeds, which became and remains my spiritual home. So I went to Leeds um, as a 23, 24-year-old and, and I was in a team that had people like Richie Ayres, a senior for Milo, George Mann, Tony Kemp, Gary Schofield for a spell. And then within easily 12 months, I was the senior player because in 96, the club was nearly bankrupt. Uh, they had to sell all the assets. They were nearly going to sell the ground. Paul Carrick, Gary Edrington came in added some money, gave them some stability and the rest is history. So being part of that early rebirth of, of Leeds where they built from the ground up and the kids that were there were a big part of it. So Yestin Harris was was the captain and a 21-year-old captain, two or three years younger than me, but I respected him. I travelled over with him. We talked a lot and I was never a natural leader, but what I could do was I, I could I could carry out that instruction if that makes sense so in in the world of chiefs and indian i was never a chief but i was the chief indian if if that makes sense what i would do is i would work with i would work with that guy in charge and i would get all the rabble together and say right this is what we're doing he's told us let's go and i'd be the first over that trench and i developed my leadership style uh as i got older and as i went into that that role at Leeds Rhinos um, as as head of youth. And the main thing, the main priority for me was about integrating the players into the club and letting them know exactly, A, what was in front of them as a professional player, but B, what it was, what, what was expected, what the expectations were from them kids in terms of how they were to present themselves, how they, they were to organise the week and, you know, no excuses and all those those things in in that era so i'm talking 10 10 11 years ago now i, I put them r- really high in the priority list because i just thought that that would be the best way to get people like uh, brad singleton for instance ready 
for, for the world of Leeds Rhinos. Be, be tough, be hard, but, but be organised and make sure you, you're in charge of your own week, working week. Don't expect everyone to, to hold your hand and wipe your ass. I think there's something in that, isn't there, for, for, for everyone. I think there's a, a give-take sort of culture in all sports where, where there's, there's things are given and, and players end up taking and then that creates almost an unhealthy situation. I think some of the best cultures I played in was where it was a give the players young guys or give young players enough tools to be able to go out and do it for themselves. Uh, and I think that's one thing Leeds have done and, and obviously with your time there, they've always done it. I think Wigan have always pretty much done it and St Helens have done it Does three academies really and, and the foundations have produced so many great young players and that's almost bankrolled the game in, in terms of talent in, in, in my opinion really and, and I agree and, and what I do think as well is we've all come through that 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 pyramid if you like and admittedly I didn't do the scholarship and and the, the academy type stuff but I was bouncing about between first team and A team learning what I was learning at top level, making mistakes, dropping down a bit, refining what it was that I was doing as a as a player, as a character within that A team. Also rubbing shoulders with some of the pros that are, you know, in the 30s being coached by uh, Paddy Kerwin was my, my first A team oh, coach. Paddy, Paddy Kerwin, as, as, as Flash will tell you, a, a, an unbelievable wealth of knowledge about the game. Sadly, he'd become too old to play the game, but he had things to pass on and that... That some of those things that he talked to me about, I, I still, you know, I still believe that now. I still, still use that in my, you know, probably my rugby, but in my life, full stop. Yeah, I think I think that's key what you mentioned there about playing in an A team. Now, I think the the Super League at, uh, at the minute is, is going through uh, a bit of a period of transition with not every club having an A team or a reserve team, and not much of um, uh, a pathway for, for for young kids from some clubs to get through into the first team and I think that's a massively important uh, aspect you, you touched on because at the minute we've got a lot of players who play Super League but below that it's, it's either playing Championship or League One or Amateur and there's, there's not much of an in-between and yeah. I think you do learn a lot It's too from, difficult Yeah, it's, it's too, too difficult, difficult. And, and Flash, I, I, you'll remember this when you were a, a, a Wigan A team and I was trying to get you over to Leeds and trying to trying to get Leeds to see what potential you had there but it was only through watching you in in that second tier that, that Leeds made that assessment. Now, luckily, they made the right assessment and didn't buy you because that would have been a complete waste of money. Correct. But for, for players, it, it's too hard. It's too hard of a jump. So somebody like Ash Hanley, so I, I always believed in Ash Hanley and I always believed he had the potential. But he probably wasn't quick enough to play on the wing, but he had that, he had that rugby instinct. He had that rugby smarts. And he could never showcase it on the on the high stage because he was in a, a team of Galacticos. And it's only really as the chips have gone down and they've been forced to play him in his natural position of centre that everybody's thought, well, do you know what? He he can play this kid. He's got you know, he's got that resilience, he's got that steel. And you know, I am lucky because I, I work with my best pal and we're very different in test. We're very different in in, in people and his characters. But the one thing that we, we unite on is, is the future of this game. We have to get more players in at the bottom. We have to have more players playing in schools. I, I'd love to be... If I had a lot of time and I had a big pot of money that I could spend and I could apply myself, what I would do is I would put some kind of structure in place where every school played rugby league and the 
teachers not having the, the ability or the facility would not matter because I would get a set of coaches, let, let's say in Oldham, I'd get six coaches. Their job was to go into every school in six-week blocks because those kids have to do exercise. I, I think it's a fundamental part of life. Health and well-being for me is massive. You won't think of it to look at me, but health and well-being is massive. It gives me an healthy mind and a good outlook on, on life with, with, the, with, the, with the lifestyle that I have. And I would get those kids and I would show them what rugby league was about. Not at, at elite level, not playing at club level, because if in them schools you see a little bit of something as, the, as those six community coaches, you signpost them to St. Anne's, to Saddleworth, to Waterhead, wherever they are in the town, and increase that pool of players. Increase the pool of players by at least five times and then... Consequently, as that pyramid starts to work, we get more quality at the top. We get more players that either come out of the game, and that's that's another cause of concern, players that come out of scholarships, players that come out of academies that just lose love for the game. And that, that it hurts, it makes my, my heart ache because we are losing so many good lads that for one reason or another have felt fallen out of love for... for the aspiration and ambition they have hasn't worked out, but they don't look at their amateur team and think, I'll go back and play with my mates, and that's where we're losing out. Yeah, there's, I think, loads to, to go at. Um, Barry, look, let, let's let's fast forward to now. You know, we, we've got the... We've retained the good looks. The hair's still in impeccable condition. Teeth are great. Teeth. Solid. Teeth. Solid. Teeth. He's had a new shoulder as well Te- as Barry. Teeth have got... I'd say noticeably better in, in the recent times. Um, if let's drag Paul Round out of that that Oldham dressing room of the the early nineties and stand him next to you now and bury your back is this eighteen year old impressionable kid, teeth done, you know, looking immaculate. What what would Paul say? Would he think you've changed? He would say you've changed you Matt Dermott and I would agree with him you've changed you have changed uh, you've changed man (laughs) I have changed Wilco because I could not live my life the way that I lived it as an 18 year old I I looked at everything as a challenge I looked at everything as something that I met head on I I loved it I loved you know and uh, my dad who's a, a massive influence on me my family and stuff and my dad used to say you only play well when we're losing you and and, and it, to a certain extent it's true that when things didn't float me ball I, I lost interest if it was a big game and you know them Bradford days them, them headed back Bradford days when we were getting 22 24,000 I loved it because it was on it was physically it was a challenge uh, and mentally, it was a challenge playing against Saints with players like Scully, Longy, Kieran. And I know they always get they always get uh, uh, mentioned and pushed out, but because they they pushed and challenged, Saints played the game so quick. In in those days, and I'll tell you a quick tale. I know it's it's only a short podcast, and I've probably had about an hour and a half of it anyway. But <laughs> we played a game. It was a Challenge Cup game, and it was while uh, Ian Millward was there, and I knew that. I've got the, the the news that whenever I was at Marker, Kieran was out and he was he was trying to expose me and make me work a little bit harder. So I was on it and and I I got into this game. It went set for set for set for set. It must have gone on for what seemed like forty minutes. Looked at the clock, couldn't tell what time it was because I was that exhausted. 
looked at the referee and said, how long's gone? And he said, six minutes, Barry. <laughs> 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 I, I looked down at my legs and my legs, you know, lads, when you're playing a game and oh. it, it's a big game and there's a lot of tension and you look at your legs and your legs are tense. Yeah, and you have to, you have nice to plug your brain in to your body to tell your body to just relax. Yeah, there's no worse feel. That's a horrible place to be, yeah. it, where your lungs have I'm gone. I'm like that most weeks at the minute. Well, you can't help it. I don't think if you're playing rugby in the middle of the field, that's what happens, yeah, isn't it, it every does. week? It does. So, Barry, you touched on briefly there that the um, the rivalry you had Leeds Rhinos and Bradford Bulls. Now, I think during the um, the 2000s, the biggest one-on-one rivalry in the game was, was, was you and Stu Fielding. Now, I know you get on off the field and stuff, but on the field, what was that like? You know, every you know, knowing you were playing Bradford at the weekend, and it was always that big matchup between you and Stu. How, how how do you go about it, and and how do you enjoy that that physical confrontation with Stu? It was absolutely fucking fantastic. <laughs> I absolutely loved it. I looked forward to it. I had it marked out in my mind. I'd, I'd be counting down. It's three weeks. It's two weeks. It's next week. I loved it. And I think the beauty with Stuart, and you you all, you both know him, you've played with and against him, is he would not back down from anything. And uh, with forwards, and and I'd like to think I know the game and I know forwards, I know forwards inside out, both early, you know, early 80s, 90s, noughties now. I I know them all because I know instinctively how they feel. And I knew with Stuart, he didn't want to back down. He didn't ever consider he, in that battle, was against it and I, and I always think there's a fine line between bravery and stupidity yeah he was right on that line <laughs> he, tried, he could not win and I would I would beat him mentally I would beat him physically and I didn't really care what the scoreboard said and some games we won some games we didn't I wasn't bothered one little bit if I could walk off that field and know I'd I'd done my bit. Um, I was happy, but I loved it. And uh, you know, we have a we have a quite a strange relationship, me and Stu. Now it's it's you know I I don't have an ex-wife, but I, I would imagine it's a little bit like <laughs> seeing your ex-wife. You've, you've got a long history together. You know, you know, you've been to some pretty good places, some pretty dark places as well, and you both enjoyed it. But it's not something you ever want to go back to. So I've probably texted him a couple of times a year. I've I've took him out for a coffee a couple of times. He's a personal trainer now. I've even done a session or two with him. But I don't think we'll ever be friends because in the back of his mind, he, he, he'll never forget. I, no. I, I want to shake his hands and say, come on, enough's enough now. But I, I don't think he'll ever forget. No, and I think that was Stu Fielding, the height of cocking the fist. I think it was, it was a period that, where he cocked his fist. I think, I must say, I think it was around the games where you were playing against him. There's a lot of yeah. fist cocking going on, which... I'd imagine yeah. Barry for you was a sign that you were, you were winning. I, I didn't need to do anything, and you know it looked. I mean, there was a fair bit of bravado in it. I'd have my hands down near my hips, and I was either throwing them or I weren't. And when he cocked his hand, I, I didn't need to move my hands because I I knew he would never throw it. And <laughs> you, you, we all know the Willie Mason incident. And what you won't know is that is I was coaching Ireland at the time, and I, I'd. I was in the hotel and you know what it's like when you're in hotels, you're, you're reading everything. And I'd read an article where Willie Mason had more or less called Stuart Fielder out and I, and I gave him a ring from Ireland and said, look, Stu, we've got our history. Now, I'm telling you, you, you cut that hand a lot. 
he's not going to care. He's not going to wait for you to cock your hand. What you need to do is you need to get in there first. In an international match, I think you might have even played in it, Will. Yeah, you? I did, I played. In an international match where he got knocked out, I said, mate, you throw the first punch. You're not going to get sent off. It's an international. You meet fire with fire. And we, we have this conversation. You obviously listen to me very carefully. <laughs> and the rest is history, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. He, yeah. That that was that was a seminal sort of moment in Stuart the Stuart Fielding story. Actually, that was it was a it was that was such a tough great player though. Don't get me wrong. Oh, I mean, mate. his engine, Insane. his engine and his strength was was phenomenal. I, I remember watching Bradford play West Tigers as a oh. fan. I went with uh, I went with a couple of mates, had some beers, stood at the back of the sticks, and I was I was. I just bought these. In fact, no, I've been given these tickets. I've never bought a ticket in my life. <laughs> but I'd, I'd uh, been given these tickets, and bugger me, I'm right in the middle of all these Bradford fans who were good fun. And uh, I, I think genuinely grateful that I was there rather than giving me a bit of shit because I played for Leeds. But um, at the end of the game, he came over and he'd had a magnificent game. He came over and he clapped and he pointed to the crowd. And he wouldn't have seen me because there'd have been... No. Six and seven thousand, but it looked to everybody around me that it was pointing right at me, <laughs> clapping everywhere. But if I think back to would that be two thousand and six that year? Yeah, yeah, it was an unbelievable performance from Stuart Field. Yeah, that's one of the most dominant, one of the most dominant forward performances you'll ever see. Though in in your career, you have yeah. one of those days, don't you, where that happens? What what in Barry McDermott's career? What was your day in the sun? I think there's quite a few, and that's not me being a, a you know, didn't I play great? I, I, like I said, I have my own set of requirements, I had my own agenda, really. But I, but I think the game that I enjoyed wasn't a final, because as you know, lads, them finals are just anxious. Yeah. They're just anxious, aren't they? And yeah. you're just relieved right. when it's all over. But there was a semi final in 1999, it was against Bradford. And uh, Bradford had a big pack. It was all played seventy minutes, and it was just. I, I remember this. It was on a Sunday. We went out on a Sunday night and had one of the best nights of my life, which is another story, um, which you can't tell. But it <laughs> well, was, they're always the best ones. But it was just a great day, and and on Monday I couldn't I couldn't lift my arms up. I'd had, I'd. I'd I'd had shoulder problems all the way through my career, and I, and I am suffering now. But it's funny, really, because nobody nobody gives me any sympathy. Is that what you? Nobody gives me any sympathy because oh. of the way that I played the game. But I'd had injections for that game, and and, and I was sore. I was bruised. I was bruised for a week. And uh, it, I look back at that game. We won the game. It was a full packed McAlpine Stadium, as it was then. John Smith's now. And that atmosphere was just was just the best. And we got through to a final, and uh, it was my first proper final, my first playing a, a, a significant part of getting a team that I was a significant member of. And I played in, in other finals and not not really got that whole feeling. I'd got a, a few hollow um, medals and victories along the way, but I, I loved it. And that semi-final will be probably... The, the 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 game that I look back and say that that was me uh, and I was I was in the metaphorical zone and just going from hit to carry to tackle to wrestle to hit to carry um, and it was just brilliant brilliant. 
Well, Barry, we are absolutely delighted that you've come on and joined us uh, this evening. Thank you very much for Thanks taking a lot, it's time been out, buddy. That's been Thank you. Incredible. And may I say, keep up the good work. It's, it's excellent what you do. I really enjoy it. So well, keep it up, man. We only Just invite get rid you of on. that Bill Perry. Yeah, we exactly. don't need the posh kid. We don't need no, him. We don't. No, we're glad. We're glad that we don't need that the feedback. posh kid. Yeah, no, he's gone. Don't. I think he's gone after this week. He's gone. Yeah, we'll we're get rid of him. All he does is talk about Harrow. Yeah, yeah. That's it. Celebrity friends and, <laughs> and he interrupts union. a lot as well, Barry. In case you haven't noticed, when I'm telling a really, really, really good story, he interrupts <laughs> me all the time. <laughs> a really, really good story, or a really, really, really good story. Really, really good. <laughs> oh, thanks, Baz. What Baz, we anyway. need to do. Flash, what we need to do is just when he's at PKB yeah. and I'm at uh, the office around the corner in Manchester, just drop me a quick message. Yeah. Get the macker wacker. I'll come round and when he goes to the toilet, he might not come back. Are you going <laughs> to towel him down again like the lads, them young lads? We've got Barry's disappeared into the a toilet with a right. towel and some talc. Will Perry's come out dry as a bone. John Wilkin, it's now question time. It's question, question time, time, Mark. Well, good introduction to Thank question you. time, Mark. That's the best. I'd say the best question time based. I have been practicing that intro most of today. Where, uh, whereabouts? In my uh, bedroom. In, in just in your pants. Just in my pants, practicing the uh, the intro. Um, so Will's not here, so I'll be taking Good. up proceedings. Um, so we've got a question from Rivington Chocolates. From Rivington, uh, we've had one of them before. Yeah, they can ask more than one, mate. It's not just a, I know, a one-time but just, thing. I don't want it to feel like we're getting the same because if we've got Woods, he's asked one. Jibbers has asked one. Then it's starting to get sad that I, we can actually recall exactly who asks questions. Yeah, but. There's been a lot anyway, of repeat R- questions that have been Rivington good. Anyway, good. We, we move on. Good. Rivington quest- chocolates with a question. Rivington questions Should with a chocolate. chocolate. That'd yeah. be better, wouldn't it? Yeah, if yeah. Riv- Rivington questions, questions had come in with some chocolates. Yeah, if you want to do that next week, Rivington questions. questions. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, they've said, all right, lads, never miss in the kitchen, roasting some spuds pulled over oh, the very hot roasting spuds. tray. Hot, fat, burnt, all over my fingers, oil and spuds everywhere. So my question is, do you use gloves, tea towel, or are you RL lads so hard it's just bare hands, girl? What with with an oven with a spud? So he got he got his he got his spud fat all over his fingers. Yeah, he got. So do you want to know if he, you use he got an oven glove in the kitchen or a towel? And his the fat from his spuds went all over him. I use a towel, mate, a little one. I've got I've got a lovely uh, set of tea towels. Yeah, I thought you would. Off Amazon pantry. Mm-hmm. You ordered twelve. That for you, yeah. No, no, we ordered twelve. We just thought let's. And do just... you whip each other with them? Uh, Get them wet. I am, a, I, as you know, I'm a very good whipper of the towel. Yeah. Um, Barry enough, Mack is actually cruelty to dogs. Uh, I've got dogs, two dogs. Don't know if I've mentioned it. Um, I, when I start to rotate the towel to get it into the tight knit sort of whipping formation the dogs run out of the house yeah that's they, good they sprint away I'd do that to a lot of dogs because I don't really like them that's true that's but that's true. just cruel um, Paul Swift said assuming Will Perry TV gets involved in some Shirley Valentine style holiday romance who would you see as the ideal replacement as self-proclaimed podcast anchor um, well I think firstly let's I'd rather speculate about who Will would likely get in a Shirley Valentine so would he let's say Will now is in Mallorca he's a, would have a holiday romance of note yeah. who if any female 
celebrity would you want Will to come back through Manchester Airport? Vanessa with? Phelps. Vanessa Phelps. I was yeah. going to say Tessa Sanderson, former British javelin thrower. No, Vanessa Phelps. Vanessa Phelps. Yeah, I think they make a great couple. I think so. I think she would dominate Will. In fact, I think I can imagine Will being quite subservient in yeah, the relationship. I think he'd enjoy that. I can imagine him being. Do you know what? I can imagine Will going on Love Island. Yeah. I think there was inquiries made for Will to make his availability known for yeah. this year, but I think he's too old actually. They're all um, early 20s and he's. What's Will, 35, 36? 36, I think, yeah. Yeah. Um, so you're not answering that question, you're just saying who you'd like him to. What, we, what was the. Uh, if, who would we see as his um, a replacement? replacement? Chappers. Yeah. Chappers, yeah. Chappers. Yeah, it'd be very good. Chappers, you know what I mean? You'd go just. If you just simply for us, if we went up the pecking order in the BBC hierarchy of yeah. presenters, anybody. Yeah. So essentially. Well, there'd Will, be a few levels bef- between Will and Chappers anyway. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Willie's basement. I mean, we yeah. could go Bill Turnbull. Well, let's go Bill, Bill Turnbull out of retirement, former BBC Newsreader. Looks like, like Rich Matthias, a good friend he of does. ours. Looks like, very much like Rich Matthias, who nobody who, else. Who'd be, the, who'd be at the top of the uh, the mountain in terms of. Balding. Balding, yeah. No, that's true. She, I don't think she's technically BBC's anymore, but Claire Balding would be a fantastic. In fact, you know what? We do need some ovaries around yeah. here yeah i think we should actually maybe yeah, get a, a female too, it's a bit too masculine a time, female guest would be um, good we'll have a think about that yeah, yeah. great question swifty uh bright brin may not brian may uh massive <laughs> brian brian may from queen yeah uh, listens to whip it he's a big sheffield eagles fan apparently he is yeah sharon stone, sharon stone witness. witness uh brin may says barry famously had a glass eye if you were forced to have one body part made of glass what would you pick penis yeah I thought hand. So when like if you pretend you're not looking at something, you cover your face up. You can really you can like so I'm not looking at a naked woman over there. You put your hand over your eyes and you can really see see what's going on still. Yeah, I've got problems with that, Mark. One is glasses brittle and imagine just Well would you rather break your your penis or your hand? Um I'd be very I think you're more careful with your penis than your hand. I your hand gets bunked around, you know, you bang your hand. Yeah. Um I I would ideally not have in fact I'd have a glass eye because I think there's a lot of medical developments in 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 just developing glass eyes. Yeah. So I'd go with the most developed glass product on the medical market, which is the eye. Yeah. I wonder if yeah, would you put it in someone's pint when they're drinking it? Take it out. I think so. Yeah. I wonder if that actually we should have asked Barry Moore about what uses does he take his eye out? Is yeah. it removable? Is it permanent? Know. We don't know. We don't forgot to ask. Um, what if I already had that question? Uh, should we have a draft? In the in Super League to try and make it more competitive. At the moment, we've got two comps going. Who's that off? Uh, Jimmy Unsworth from Salford. Jimmy Unsworth. Uh, in my opinion, no, because we aren't American and we don't get it. We would to do it in the we, AFL in Australia. Yeah. In, uh, yeah, Australia. But we struggle to. Let's say we sell season ticket or sell tickets for a semi-final of a Challenge Cup or a quarter-final. Um, a draft needs to be a well-attended, like, big spectacle event. Would people go to... This is what I imagine a, a rugby league draft might look like. It would be in the, the the chairman's suite at the Gal Farm Stadium. No natural light in there sort of thing. And it would be relatively poorly attended and executed. Yeah. And I think that could be more damaging for the game than good. I think it's good for a young kid to support their hometown team and go on to play for that team. I, I think I'd be pissed off if I was from a Wigan or a Saints or whatever, grew up watching on the, on the terraces, playing the academy, only to be told that I've been drafted by 
Hull KR when I've got no affinity to Hull KR you'd want to play for your hometown club yeah. that's what I think so I think it's a draft, no from me the draft works as well when it's like mega cash being thrown around Yeah. so the best young kids the reason they want to be drafted first is because they get millions of quid Yeah. but in rugby league you get drafted, you get drafted in rugby league, 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 league what you get two and a half grand yeah you get you're on six grand twelve grand and eighteen grand once you make your first first team appearance yeah. Uh, like, do you know what I mean? Is a uh, kid's going to be the pie and pea supper if you get man at match? Well, exactly, yeah. So we need first before we get to the draft. Let us deal with the underlying commercial issues the game has. Well, thanks for your question, Jimmy. Um, Jimmy Unsworth. Monthly rugby podcast awards said, "Have you ever turned down any offers in the past from union clubs?" No. Nope. Yes. Who was that? Derby Rugby Union. Really? Honestly, got How offered. How old were you? Uh, 21, 22. What Derby are, Rugby Union, which I, I I don't know what level they're at. I do not know what level they're at at all. At that stage, where there was a guy pumping loads of money into them, offered a few of us 1,500 quid a game to go and play, but it was in our off-season. So it was December, January time. That'd be all right. Yeah, extra obviously cash. couldn't do it. Not allowed. Wasn't allowed. Um, Dave said, which teammates, past or present, is the laziest in training? Oh, God, laziest. Uh, Mossy Masso, who is at Hull KR, who, when he was at Saints, his nickname was Mattress, because he was half man, half mattress. And his nickname, Mattress, sounds like Masso. Yeah, but he's with an M. M, M, M good work of, there, John. Uh, is it alliteration? On, on a pod, on a, no, onomatopoeia is where something sounds like yeah, what yeah, it is. Like, bang, yeah. bang, bang. Uh, iteration. Yeah. Yeah. Alliteration. Alliteration. It's used th- three M's, but... Yeah, uh, Mossy was, but he was just dead relaxed, not lazy. Is the wrong. Just chill, man. Uh, Leon Price was yeah. was a was a was a. I'd say a lazy Mo- I'd say I'd agree with Mossy though. He was just a chilled guy, wasn't he? Yeah. Um, what about you? Were you answering that? I said Mossy. Oh Mossy. Yeah. You agreed. Justin Carney was. It wasn't lazy. Just hey, he just couldn't be asked. Yeah. I can imagine Justin. He's lazy Carney. and couldn't be asked. Similar. Yeah. yeah. Well, I can imagine Justin Carney turned up to train him in like de- denim dungarees. Uh, like a check shirt and just smoking sort of 46 well, well Todd Carney told a funny story he was at Canberra at the same time as, as Justin no relation between the two of them they were at Canberra training and one of the coaches had seen Justin play out in the country and invited him along to training all the lads were on the, the main field at Canberra under 18s or under 19s and then he turns up in a big ute wagon like a, a pickup truck uh, gets out with a cowboy hat, hat on shirt off and just some little little rugby shorts and some boots and he like struts towards them like he's the man absolutely that's like just looking exactly. ripped to death that's and he never used to train he used to just ride bulls that was his that was is that where he got his core strength from yeah he used to break in um, horses and bulls oh my god so he was just like a ripped up Adonis naturally that, why haven't I heard that story before that's an unbelievable the fact he used to break bulls in and yeah, then that was his like job. just like smashing people I'll, I'll see if we can find a picture and get it on the podcast because there's a picture of him yeah. um, breaking a horse in, in a, like a, in a pond in the outback of Australia yeah. He's about 12 and he looks like he's 24. They're poor horses. I know. Getting broken in by him. They're like, oh, fuck's sake. He's here again. Look at him. Um, Gaz, at Gaz Burns says, what would your death row meal be? Three courses and a drink? Three courses mm-hmm. and a drink. It's a snazzy present. Um, three courses. My my first course would be... Well, I don't know. I'd have, I'd have fish and chips. For my main, yeah. My first course would be another product from the chippy. Might have a sausage. Might go sausage. Batter sausage, just the normal. Got to be healthy, don't you? No, no, no. no it's death that's row. not really. It's death row. Yeah, Body fat is not a problem when care. you're dead. Yeah. Uh, 
I'd go fish, chips and peas. Lots of lots of salt and vinegar. Vinegar, yeah. And then I'd go with a yeah, battered dessert drink. Dessert, I'd have sticky toffee pudding. Drink, I would probably if we're going to death row, I'd have four liters of vodka. Yeah, just to numb the pain a little bit. Yeah, just to probably do the job before they got there. Um, I would have cream of tomato soup, Heinz to start with. That's interesting. With, some with white toast. Not white, white, <coughs> white bread, butter on, low pack. Main meal would be cheese and onion pie, chips and beans. Oh, it's a great, great dish. It's a good um, dessert would be Ben and Jerry's fish food. Very interesting. And drink, I'd have a Ladyboy Chaser, which is a pint <laughs> of bitter, gin and tonic, and a, and a double Bailey's. I've been studying here like 45 minutes because I'm a bloody bloke. Uh, what else we've got? Which bottled beer is preferable when interviewing guests on the show? Do you opt for taste or, or bottles that make the least noise? Hashtag episode 18. Uh, and that's from Craig. Oh, we, I think we, we, we decanted the beer into other vessels, Yeah. Uh, disguised as coffee cups, and drank the beer out of It was just, it was just cups. one bottle the other week, wasn't it? And it was at Estrella Dam. And it looked lovely. It was lovely. lovely. But we actually owe uh, our host a couple of bottles of beer for that. But we do. I'm hoping he's forgot. He, he definitely has. Um, what are your thoughts on the England, England squad? We discussed that. Dan Heyman, it was good. Bloody good. Um, oh, I like this one. Forced celebrity breeding. If you could take two celebrities and force them to mate, which ones would it be and why? Chuck Norris and Will Perry. <laughs> Is it possible to breed them? I mean, uh, technically... Well, who's who's breeding whom? Well, two men can't have children, but I'd just like to see Chuck Norris shag Will. Yeah. I think that's mo- I think forget about the breeding. Why Chuck Norris? Um, just because he's a large, hairy man, and he's a bit of like an eighties icon. Did you ever when I remember when Twitter first came around? There was like the Chuck Norris like quotes account that used to knock around. Yeah, yeah, it was. And like, it was like Chuck Norris, like Chuck Norris doesn't do press ups. He just pulls the world closer to him. <laughs> yeah, I didn't see that. <laughs> uh, but no, maybe. Yeah, no, I think that. I'm going to go with you on on the. Uh, what would make me give me most enjoyment to watch? Yeah, and um, that would be uh, a tall lady and a very small man. So I'd go Warwick Davis. Yeah, um, giving it to um, what's the female comedian called? It's like six foot two. Miranda, Miranda Jones. Miranda Hart. Miranda Hart. I'd have Warwick Davis and Miranda Hart. That would be uh, that would make me chuckle. The offspring would be an interesting. I think the offspring of that would look a little bit like Andy Coley. Do you remember he used to play for Wigan? <laughs> he looked like Warriors Davis. Yeah. But he's really, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I like that. I, I think that's who you'd Or Mark like. Malone, your so friend. So essentially, if you Google Miranda Hart and Warwick Davis, you face smash them two, you will find Andy Coley. Yeah. Now, you, if you Google image search all three of those people, you will understand yeah. this reference. That's good, actually. Well done, John. Um, Tom Kirk says... Uh, this is related to Origi Bianchi's cafe bar. If Jeff the chef, the head chef at Origi's, was to create a dish that was best describe you, like the Nick Bianchi salad, what would it be and why? Um, Jeff the chef is a friend of the show. Yeah. Do you know what yours would be? Yours would be like something like awful. Awful. Some, awful. Yeah. Awful. Or you'd be, you wouldn't what? be lamb, you'd be like, what's mutton? Something that just mutton just dressed be, as lamb. You know, you'd be mutton. You'd be something that's just gone off a bit too long. Yeah, but it's that, had better days. But then, but then, when given the right amount of time and attention, can be the most flavoursome cut of meat. But rarely. No, no, no. Mistreated, Mark. Yeah, you're be, mistreated. Mutton. Can be, can be, 
uh, with like nasty overboiled potatoes. You'd be yeah, and and, and l- lashings of gravy. Yeah, and you would be. Don't know. It's up to you. Yeah, you I think veal mistreated young cows. Yeah, that have been fed milk till they died. Or you'd be foie gras. Something with foie gras where they force feed a, a goose or a duck till its stomach think, explodes. Right, okay. Decadent, spoilt. Yes, oh, yeah, that's me, yes. actually. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Um, veal and uh, foie gras, like. Yeah, you'd be a veal smoothie. foie gras smoothie. Yeah, just mixed together. Just you'd be a bit hipster as well because you, you are a little bit hipster. I try to be. Um, now we've got Nick Weston, an, another. From um, Sussex Merlins. Yeah, another uh, friend of the show. Greetings. As an outsider looking in, it appears to me that Wakefield have benefited hugely from running a reserve side. What's your view from the perspective of A, the club, um, B, a coach, and C, a player? Well, um, yeah, I think for the clubs, it's an inconvenience because it's money. Uh, That's a short-sighted look at it. I think it's a benefit to the club when it gives kids the chance to play against adults in a genuine reserve competition one of the problems is the reserve competition doesn't exist because only a few clubs have sort of bought into it so there's not enough teams have Wakefield benefited from it uh, possibly possibly yeah they've probably got a, got a decent sized squad and they can rotate or drop people yeah um, ease, more easily than other teams I'd it's say. somewhere for those players that don't quite come from your 19 straight into your first team it's somewhere for them to go now um, I'm not sure that the reserves has, has got a place I think your best under 19s come through into your first team anyway um, and then I'd like to see them the other players go play in the championship and the championship become a strong I I, th- I think there needs to be some kind of reserve or um, A team or under 19s maybe under 19s with an allowance for a certain number of over age players like they used to do with the under 21s um, but I think it, it's like you say hindrance for the club because it costs money I think it's good for the coach because you can um, have, well, again, this, have players left out and still get a game still it, get a game in your structured environment yeah. rather than shipping them off to another team with different styles of play I, I agree completely but unless we take it seriously it doesn't work does it so you need all clubs to compulsory do it and, and half-heartedly saying well we can you can have a reserve team if you want and if you you know if you've got the money to do it do it and well it should be compulsory we should yeah, I think increase that. the TV money by 100,000 or increase the salary cap by 100,000 that 100,000 should be purely for running a reserve comp yeah completely agree I think it should be a prerequisite to being in Super League you have to run a reserve under 19 team or else you're going to get dot points the, the, or ch- the challenge is players I don't think we've got enough players I don't think there's enough players for the championship for Super League and a reserve competition I, well, I think maybe you, you, you have uh, a feeder team between uh, a Super League club and a championship team when if you don't get in the champ, if they're not good enough to get in the championship team they've kind of they play a similar reserve team to the Super League yeah that's potentially that's but I just think increasing the pool of players would be the starting point and then the, the reserves will follow. Yeah. Uh, we've got a question from Terry Higham. 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 Yeah, Higham. Might be a relation to Mickey. Michael Higham from Lee. Yeah. Uh, is there a route for players to go from League One slash Championship into Super League brackets? Say a player picked up the sport later and missed the academy yes. route. I've not finished yet. Sorry. Uh, close brackets. Would a Super League club look at a player who yes. was killing it at that level but was mid-twenties, for example? Yes. yes. Is Terry Hyam in his mid-twenties killing it 
in amateur rugby, do we think? Sounds a lot like he's trying to find out if we will put his name Terry, forward. Terry, send your CV to Salford looking for players. Um, He'd get yeah, a game at Salford. Probably get a game at least forward, yeah. Terry um, Iam. I think Mickey Iam would. Yeah, fact, Mickey, Dave, he's Dave. still playing, Mickey, so he's Is doing he? all right, yeah. Is Mickey still playing? Yeah, he come out of retirement. Oh, this. I'm definitely playing again, though. Oh, fuck. Definitely going Nick Wilson has said, which kit is best? Old school, loose jerseys, tiny shorts and jock straps, jock straps, like back when Barry played, or the tight kit and trunks the lads wear now? I'd yeah. say now new because I'd look terrible in a loose jersey and tiny shorts with my little legs. Yeah, I think I was right on the edge of... On the cusp. On the cusp of when kits were baggy. So my first few kits were ridiculous. 2005, we had a kit and it was made by All Sports. We had not All Sports for the sponsor. Puma, was it? Puma kit. Yeah. And it was insane how big it was. Insane. It was massive. It was still massive. It's one way you had to tuck it in and then it sort of folded over a bit. It was yeah. still a bit of a fold or hanging out over. There used to be all the rays, that, didn't you? Just yeah. folding out your shirt. I think there was a golden era in the sport where shorts were small, pads were big, and hair was big. Yeah. And that was like sort of Benny Elias. That sort of era, that was state the 80s, of origin, wasn't it? yeah, and that that for me, where Tina Turner's on the beach, rugby league was sexy for about eight minutes. Yeah, Simply the best was like that. That just for a me challenge was then. That was like sexy rugby league. Martin Afire was yeah. wearing very small shorts. Rugby league was more of a household name back then. It was. It was. It was. It was big time. Yeah, it was on terrestrial telly more. Can't go back, John. Can't, go, can't back. go back. It's, it's Going back to history. Uh, yeah. Nick Wilson again says, Barry famously went sword to sword with Stuart Field on a few occasions. Number one, who would win a fight between John and Flash? John. Flash. Two, if Will were to have the talent and, and bottle to grace a rugby league pitch, is there any, capitals, player that he would win a biff battle against? I don't think Will could fight his way out of a paper bag. Jamie Fo- he beat Jamie Foster up. Yeah. Ryan Atkins. Draw. Yeah. Uh, Ian Alexander has said tell us a song that would use on your life showreel or best bits on YouTube not just including sport will it should sum everything up and provide a fitting soundtrack I will go down with this ship I will put my hands up and surrender there will Stop. be no okay so you go Dido. with Dido. Dildo. Oh, sorry. Dido. Oh. Ah. Um, what would I go back with? I'd go with um, Tina Turner, Simply the Best. Which that's just you. You are an 80s relic. No, I'm a narcissist. No, you're an 80s relic. No. Yeah, everything. You love everything about the 80s. Matty K. I know Matty K. Good, bloody good bloke. Uh, have you ever bumped into an ex-teammate who never, never quite cracked it in Super League? And they've chewed your ear off about why they didn't make it and just won't put the ball away. I think everyone's got a story about why yeah. they should have made it. I love it. the old, oh, I was going to make it, but I just got an injury and I, I broke my finger. A lot of trials. A lot of trials. A lot of trials. Th- lot of trials I had trials around. at Man City football, but that's a different I know, story. but that, you're one of the stats then. Because what you're doing is you're yeah. over-trading. You're trading up to football. Yeah. So you are one of those people, but football. Um, a lot of trials knocking around. A lot of people who... Coulda, woulda, shoulda. Oh, I experienced a bit of adversity. Things didn't go so well, yeah. so I did something else. Pathetic. Yeah, look at Barry McDermott. He, lost he had his eye, eye lost shot it, out and lost, still fucking killed it. He look lost at him. an eye. He's the man. He lost an eye and then he had his own brand of arm pads named after yeah. him. That's a real man. That's, that's, that's a real man. That's zero to hero. That's a man. That's a proper man. Are you a man? Uh, do you have both your eyes? Yes. Well, you're not. Do you have an arm pad range named after you, which you used explicitly to but, smash... Other players' faces in. Yes, Name you're a man. Stuart Field. You're a man. 
Uh, Matty K, yes, uh, that's happened quite a lot. We probably know the same people. Uh, Stable Genius has said, if you could put one rugby league person forward for the Queen's Honours list, who would it be? Brackets, Flash, you can't say he's dad. And why? Paul Wellens. Why? Uh, achievements in rugby league, services to the game, ambassador to the sport, probably one of the most decorated rugby league players not to be recognised by with an MBE. I'd like, second baff, that. Baffles me that Paul Wellens hasn't got an MBE. Jamie Peacock's got one. Kevin Sinfield's got one. Paul Sculthorpe's got one. Yeah. Paul I've, Wellens spent his entire career winning things, playing internationally, being a legend. Never had any scandals, any yeah. any blot on his on his sheet. Yeah. I'd I'd second I, that. I in fact, how do we do it? How do we nominate? He should be. He should have one. We'll start a nomin- We'll start a petition. You can, can can nominate people. Can you? Like, yeah. Well, let's nominate him. In fact... Is yeah. anyone listening from the RFL? I think Callum will be, John's friend. Uh, can we start a petition to get Paul Willans yeah. an MBE? Yeah. Well deserved. Um, with the new structure announced, surely wouldn't it be better having bottom of Super League v top of Championship in the million pound game? Oh, someone's just stood on a duck. <laughs> it was, in the words of Shaggy, it wasn't me. Oh, Oh. Awful little man over there. It was Will. It yeah, was Will. Will, Will, Will just just popped up from Mallorca for that <laughs> little segment. Trumped. He trumped. Um, new structure apparently has been announced. I'm not seeing that. Yeah, we'll we'll discuss that next week, Neil, because I don't know about it. Would you like to see Thursday night TV games move back to Saturdays? No, I no. like Thursdays. Nothing else don't on. Don't care. Other than the Flanagans and Baz, who is the Oldham's greatest ever sports person? Paul Skulls. Easy. Skull, Paul Scullthorpe, Yestin Harris. Uh, Scully gets a lot of love, doesn't he? He does. Legend Scully. Absolute legend. Mike Atherton, cricketer. Is Mike Atherton from Oldham? Yes. Who he is then? Uh, David Platt as well. David Platt who played for Arsenal? Yeah, your and, team. And Lazio? Yeah. Platty. What uh, player David Platt was? David Platt. David Platt, Paul Scholes. Uh, and Mike Atherton. I'll, I'll go fourth. Yeah, yeah you're in the top. Yeah. Who's got the worst hair, Flanagan or Wilkin? No, sorry, Donald or Kim. Uh, Donald or Donald, Kim. What? Donald Trump. Duncan or Duncan, that's a shit question. Yeah, shit uh, Duncan. Nicky Leach said, John recently said he admired Blake Sully as Super League CEO. What's your first impression of Rob Elston? Sounds to me like he could be good for the sport. Yeah, good bloke. Like I said, very personable, charismatic, dynamic guy. I, I, I think, without working... I've never worked with a guy, I've never really spent enough time with him but in the brief encounters I've had with him I think he could be exactly what rugby league needs yeah. now proof's in the pudding it'll take time and we'll find out but hopefully we'll get to speak to him on the podcast actually that'll be great yeah uh, Alan has said <laughs> Alan Alan uh, what's the worst car journey you've been on and why oh well I, well, I went to Workington with Paul Wellens yeah uh, but three and a half hours in the car with him it was literally I lost the will to live by the time we'd got to Charnet Richard Services up the M6. Uh, horrendous taste in music. Constant, like on the brakes, ridiculously, making you feel sort of car sick the whole way there. And then it's just dull sort of conversation revolving around it. He tried form. ringing you early, didn't he? Yeah. Was that to plug his MBE no, on no, our No, all he does, all he does, well, is when he's bored. Everyone's got a friend who, when they're bored, they ring you. Nothing to say. Absolutely nothing to say. Really zero content to the conversation, but we'll call you at any time of day 
just to initiate a pointless conversation. My you almost sister makes, Louise does You this. almost feel bad that you've got nothing to say to him, yeah. and then he ends the conversation. It's like a double mind fuck. He always finishes with, right, okay then. Yeah, yeah. And, but he'll ring you, say nothing, you'll contribute, try and start a conversation, then he'll cut you off and finish the conversation. So you leave thinking, God, he really got bored of that quick, but yeah. he initiated it. Yeah. Subhuman scam. Um... Next question we've got. Oh, um, Barry McDermott replied to that. He said, Journey to Leeds every day with Adrian Morley and Terry Newton snoring and farting. Yeah. Yeah, but I imagine that was quite smelly. That's a rum. That's a rum. That's careful, a careful yeah. one, isn't it? Where they go in a Lord few scrapes there. Um, who was Barry's absolute favourite climbing buddy on his Kilimanjaro trek? I think that's you, Becky Barr, because um, you put Is Barry it? in there, yeah. Um, I know somebody's favourite. I know who's a favourite up there. Carry mm. on. Next question. Um, Stu M says, I have tomato ketchup with scrambled egg, poached egg and fried egg, but brown sauce with boiled eggs. Do you have any weird food habits? No. That's just mental. We do have in the coffee yeah, it, shop Pot Kettle Black that we call Award-winning. Award-winning coffee Black. shop. We've got a chef who's sort of mildly psychotic, looks a bit sort of like a neo-Nazi. We don't like him to come out into the front, but he does. But we do him. like him. We do like him. He's very good. He's a, a really good br- brunch chef, worked in, in Melbourne, and, and we got him from a really good hotel in Amsterdam. 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 But there's one customer who comes in, and Matt, the chef, is convinced he's trying to piss him off with the order. So there's two slices of white sourdough toast, with one fried egg and one poached egg, which to a chef in the middle of the heat of the kitchen, yeah. only they will understand. And if there's the anybody of that. who listens that comes into Pot Kettle Black, if you'd like to do the same and order a mixture of um, eggs by different cooking, cooks, cooking methods, yes, please do so. I think actually, if yeah, well, if you make yourself aware and ask if Mark or John are in, if you order one poached egg and one fried egg on toast we will give you that for free assuming we're in the shop at that time Mark's shaking his head Mark's shaking his head well, you, you get 5% off perhaps yeah. uh, Richard Perrett said which what cur- current Super League player would you least want to s- your club to sign and for what reason uh, I'd be any other loose yeah. forward because I'm selfish yeah uh, who'd at least like us to sign um, who's that P&G wigger for the place for Cass Gary Law Gary Law uh, Jonathan Glover after seeing this, the success the Blues had using halfbacks from the same club do you think England should have followed suit and selected Lomax and Richardson for England with the pair in great form together well I'm going to ask this question would one of the best NRL teams beat New South Wales or Queensland so no. who's top of the NRL St George yeah would St George beat Queensland no yes yes they would St George beat Queensland St George would beat Queensland I don't think they would. I think they would. I think a club side that play together consistently... But they play consistently, like, like three games a season, they they train together and they're in camp together. Yeah, maybe more so, but I, I think... All right, would... I, I think that a club side, a great club side, would be, be uh, an origin side. It's a great just point. my opinion. Yeah, potentially. St George would beat Queensland. I'd, I think... Um, even though Richardson and Lomax are playing well together their combination is due to the style of play and a lot of other factors a lot of other players playing well around them to yeah. 
if they had yourself, Robs and Ben Barber, then yeah. then perhaps and they played a similar style of. Well, you seen Saints. that you seen that with Queensland, didn't you? With with Smith, Cronk, Slater, yeah. Thurston. That that consistency in those key positions is crucial. Yeah. England just haven't had it, and still in this squad, it looks like he's trying to get it. But Luke Gale's injured. George Williams isn't playing well, and you know who's you know. We're sort of scratching around in that position. Yeah. Well, we? Widdup's playing very well for. And Johnny Wallace is playing very well for us. Yeah. Uh, we need a winner. I'm going to propose Richard Morton for the celebrity breeding question. Yeah, I like that. So Richard Morton, uh, his name, his his Twitter handle is at Derek underscore Smalls, which sounds nothing like Richard Morton, but there you go. Mm-hmm. Um, you've won um, dinner for. Four Sunday lunch for four at Rigi Bianchi's in Macclesfield. Yeah, and Nick Bianchi, legendary member of the Bianchi family, will be in touch with you forthwith. Forthwith to discuss timings. That's another average podcast from us. Oh no, we need to do the Simbin. Oh fucking hell! You never ever think of the Simbin. No, I don't. Uh, Simbin, the match review panel for making a wrong decision in my incident versus Hull at the weekend yeah. I'm struggling to breathe through my nose because it's my, broken mine is the the way in which we frown upon violence in rugby league now bring bring back the biff bring in the words of the great Reg Reagan the biff if I had started playing rugby league and thought I wasn't going to get me screwed and grabbed or my eyes gouged I wouldn't have fucking started playing Mark <laughs> very Correct. good very bring good. back the biff Will Perry would like Reg Reagan I think he would uh, that's all from us um, thank you please subscribe download um, at Whippets RL uh, we're on iTunes or your podcast provider have a good week we'll have the posh sod back next week goodbye um, see you later goodbye